Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. Want to say happy Sunday to everybody. Want to say hello to all of our campuses joining us today. Boardman, TCI, online community, of course, here at the Warren campus. My name's Ryan. I'm so thankful to be with you this morning. I get to serve as our next-gen pastor. And today I have the privilege of continuing on in our series called Colors. You know, a few years ago, I had this very powerful moment for me, but it was from something rather pedestrian. And I've noticed sometimes when God speaks to me, sometimes it's in these really special moments and sometimes it's in the ordinary. And there was this moment where, funny enough, I was just staring at one of the towels in our house. And, uh, you know, Cather's men have a special ability to zone out. And I think I was just kind of zoning out at this towel in our house and it was this blue towel. And as I was staring at this blue towel, I felt God whisper to me, you've been seeing the world in blue and it's time to start seeing it in red. And today, as we jump into our message, we're gonna be entitling this message, Seeing Red. You know, I was thinking about as I took that word in my life, I knew immediately what God meant because I've always been someone who's been able to see the world in blue. I don't know if you're like me at all, but I've never been afraid of a melancholy moment. In fact, I kind of enjoy, sometimes my wife will walk in and she'll notice that I'm just sitting in the dark, you know, just literally sitting there. Um, and I'm not afraid of that. I, I love a good moment where I throw on my emotional pop, pop, music, pop punk music or my screamo music from back in the day. And I just kind of vibe, you know, and I just like that. I, I've just had those moments where I just enjoy that. And even in my relationship with God, there's times where I just saw blue. Like I, I, I always saw it in the Psalms where you'd see the Psalmist talking about how terrible things are going and saying, God, how are you letting my enemies defeat me? And how are you letting all these things happen and the wicked survive and do well? And yet I'm here. And, and then by the end of the Psalm, you'd see this process where he'd give it to God and then he'd get a new perspective from God. And that's, that was a lot of my journey. But I felt like in this moment, that God was speaking to me and he was saying something so profound and powerful, which is that those blue moments are great, they're important, but it's time to go from a passive victim to a partner with God. Someone who is no longer a victim, but a victor. Someone who is no longer just being overcome and going to God, but someone who is actually learning to overcome. And today, I think we've got to learn to see red. There's times in our spiritual journey where we've got to learn how to win a fight. You just gotta learn how to win. You've gotta learn that life is not just happening to you, but God has actually granted you authority and the ability to go forth and make change, to stand firm. And so for some of you, you're more like me and that's, that's the message you need today. But some of you, you love fighting, you're fighters. <laughs> that's kind of your, your normal makeup. And so today for you, I wanna just say to you, you not only need to fight, you need to learn how to win the right fight. Because you can win the wrong fights and think you're winning when you're really not. But all of us in our journey of faith are going to have moments where things come our way we didn't see coming. And those are those moments, those days you don't wanna repeat those seasons you don't wanna go through again, where you get the diagnosis, where you have the mental health challenges, where you're going through a season of just pain and process. And in those seasons, sometimes you need blue and that's a different message for a different day, but sometimes you need red. 
You've got to be able to stand and fight. And so today we're going to be preaching out of Ephesians chapter six. It's one of the most well-known scriptures in the entire Bible. And maybe it's not even new to you, but sometimes I don't think we always need new. Sometimes I think we need to be reminded of what's true. And so today I hope this is a reminder for you of what is true and how you are equipped. So let's go to Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong. You're called to be strong. You're not called to be tossed around by every wave that comes your way in life, but there are times you are called to be strong. But I love this, that it says, don't just try and be strong on your own, but be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, in the strength of his might. And one thing I've noticed about the strongest people I know spiritually is that they're all very aware of their limitations and their weaknesses. See, because God told the apostle Paul, he said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. It's only when you recognize your limitations that you can actually go to God as your solutions, where you can partner with his strength. And it's great. If you had your car out there today, I could push your car if you had it in neutral, not in park. I could push your car. I could move it a little bit. If you got a couple of my buddies, we can move it a little faster. But I'll tell you what, it would be a whole lot easier if you just got in the car and put it in drive and press the gas. Why? Because you're dealing with a lot more horsepower. And this is what so many of us need to learn is that you can do things on your own strength and in your own ability, but there's a new power. There's a stronger power that you can access if you are in Christ that can take you way farther, way faster. And this is what we're called to do. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I just wanna tell you, if you can picture the face of your enemy, you have the wrong enemy. If you can see that person, that situation, that political figure, if that is your enemy, you are fighting the wrong enemy. That's not where your battle will be won. And I know this is hard for us because we, as much as so many of us in this room and online, we're, we're people that believe in a spiritual reality. We, we are believers in God who is spiritual. So we get that. We, we are spiritual people, but we're also products of our modern Western culture, which is incredibly rationalist. And so many of us are convinced that every problem we face in life has a physical root. But God actually says that there are some of the most important battles you have faced in this life that have nothing to do with the physical. They're all won or lost in the spiritual. And therefore, if you think you need ammunition and artillery to win this battle, you will not win this battle. I'm gonna have my buddy, Corey, come out for just a second. Let's give it up for Corey. He's a legend. I threw this on him today because I didn't wanna tell him in advance. <laughs> Would you have said yes? Corey is a good guy. He was my roommate. Uh, we lived together for a little under a year. He's a good roommate, mostly. And, um, but I did have a few grievances against Corey. Uh, one of which was the time that he went to Little Wings and got those calico garlic uh, wings and then put them in the fridge when he had leftovers. 
And like all my fruit tasted like garlic from then on. I had that against you. This I have against you, like in Revelation, when Jesus <laughs> talks to the church. I also, I have this moment in my memory where Corey literally put his dirty socks under my pillow just so I would smell. Yeah, that was not cool. Um, yeah, that's not, yeah, you what a terrible guy. And um, <laughs> there's also the one moment we won't speak of. Yeah. So Corey gave me permission to do this though, um, just to, you know, kind of make a point. And so I appreciate that, man. Um, so if I wanted to get back at Corey for all of the wrongs that he has committed against me, I actually have an idea of how to do this. So I think, here's your shadow. Let me just take that. Oh, you want to put some <laughs> garlic in my fridge? Huh? You want to put your socks under me? <laughs> take that, brother. <laughs> Ow. I was hitting pretty hard. I mean, not that hard because I didn't want to break my hand or anything, do something stupid. But Corey didn't get affected at all. Why? Because I was hitting his shadow. This is totally improper use of the word shadow boxing. <laughs> and yet this is what so many of us are doing. You're trying to win your battles fighting shadows. I didn't mean for that to run, but it worked out so well. I should just have you up here while I preach the whole time. It's fun. So many of us are, are fighting battles that we think we're going to win, but we're just leaving ourselves susceptible to the enemy. And I don't care how good of a fighter you are. You could be Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali or Jake Paul. <laughs> but if you hit someone's shadow, you're not going to win. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate you, bro. Kind of hurt. <laughs> we got to learn to win the right fight. So let's do this. Ephesians chapter six. Here's what Paul tells us to do. He says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. I want to let you know the evil day will come at your life at some point. You will go through the evil day. You will go through the trial. You will go through the struggle. That is a guarantee, not because God wants it, but because it is part of this fallen world. You will go through the evil day. There will be that day when that person persecutes you at work only because you follow Jesus. There will be that day when you go through the anxiety and the worry. There will be that day. It will come. I don't know what it will look like for you in your darkness, but there will be the evil day. And Paul says, when you're in the middle of the evil day, you have a choice. Will you become a victim or will you stand firm as a victor? knowing that you have overcome. But you've got to be able to stand. In Isaiah 7, it talks about this idea that God says, I will make you firm if you stand firm. In other words, God can make you strong if you're willing to stand strong. But he needs you to partner with him. And so we're going to look at what does it look like to armor ourselves in God's armor? It starts with this. It says, stand therefore having fastened on the belts of truth. Every piece of armor that Paul gives us is a great insight into how our enemy tries to defeat us. And what does he say first? He says, you need the belts of truth. What does that tell us? It tells us that the enemy will try and get us to believe a lie. And you will never experience the fullness of life in any area you believe a lie. Every situation you're going through, God has a perspective about. And you have a perspective about. 
But as a follower of Christ, the gap between those two perspectives is the amount of room the enemy has to take you out. Our goal needs to be to gain God's perspective in every situation that we're going through. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter eight, verse 31. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The thing that brings you true freedom is truth. And how do we gain truth? What does Jesus say? He says, the way you gain truth is abiding in my word. This means that long before we stop at WebMD, we need to be going to the word of God. Long before we read what the pundits have to say about our economy, we go to what God has to say. The truth you are looking for will be found in the word of God. And I'm not saying what you're going through is not real. It is real, but there's a higher truth. And what's true always wins over what's real. God is calling us to to fasten the belt of truth because where we believe lies, God cannot come in and partner with us. There are so many things that God could do in your life right now if you would stop believing a lie. You have to partner with truth in order to bear the effect of truth. So how do we do this? And you're gonna see this show up all throughout today's message. Abide in the word of God. That means that if you're not reading your Bible, you're missing out on the truth that God could give you. And I'm not saying it's gotta be for hours, but it should be consistent in your life. There should be something that enables you to win these battles in the word of God. We need the truth that comes from Jesus' teachings from the scriptures. The next thing that Paul tells us is he says, in having put on the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness is right standing with God. It's living in harmony with God's will. And right standing when it is broken off with God will separate us from him. I I was thinking about this when I was probably about 13 years old, seventh grade. I was one of the laziest people you would ever meet. Um, And this is why I have so much grace for middle schoolers when I get to work with middle schoolers. Cause I'm like, dude, yeah, exactly. Like I told my parents, I didn't have homework for a year. You know, (laughs) my parents were like, what do you, you got any homework today? I'm like, I don't know what's going on. They just haven't given to us any. So I'm just going to keep playing Xbox, you know? And, uh, It worked for a while until my grades started coming in. And turns out if you don't turn in homework, it's really hard to pass your classes. So um, I was really good at geometry the second time. And anyway, so there, (laughs) but one one thing I know is being super lazy was really great for my weekends and my afternoons, but it was really terrible when I had to face my teachers. And I would try and avoid my teachers for weeks. You know, I'd be like in their classroom, but I'd be like sitting a little lower and I wouldn't make eye contact, you know? And I just, I would always try and avoid them. There was times I'd fake illness, like, oh yeah, not feeling good today, you know? Cause I don't want to turn in a project that I didn't do, you know? And what happens when you're not in right standing, when you, when you have shame, guilt, or condemnation, you avoid the person you're not in right standing with. And what happens spiritually? When we sin, when we are feeling the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, we distance ourselves from God. And think about what the enemy's trying to do. If God is called, if we are called to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, then if the enemy can separate us from God, what has he separated us from? Our strength, our power, he's isolated us. This is what he's trying to do. And yet what I love about this is we have the remedy. Look what it says. It says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What I love about that is it says, having put on, that's a past tense. And this is what's so cool about the gospel is that when you come into Christ Jesus, when you are born again into Christ, 
his righteousness becomes your own. See, the whole point of scripture is basically telling us this. There's Genesis 3, which says, hey, you messed up, you, breath, or you messed up, God. Like you, you are not good enough for God. Our righteousness before God, our good works before God is like a filthy rag before him. But what's so amazing is that when Jesus came, he passed every test you didn't. And then not only did he pass every test in perfection, he took your sin upon his on the cross. So he took your sin and your condemnation and your shame and your guilt. He took it all right there on Calvary. And then, on Calvary, and then, he gives you his righteousness. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5 says. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, that if you are in Christ Jesus, you are now in right standing with God. Not based on your ability, but based on Jesus' ability. And this is amazing. This is so huge for us because look, if we know we're in right standing with God, when we sin, we don't avoid God. Look what Hebrews chapter four says. It says, for we do not have a high priest, one who is able to, unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Will Christians sin after you become a Christian? Yes. What happens is now you have a place to go when you sin. Instead of distancing yourself from God, instead of avoiding God, you can actually go to God with confidence because when you come to him, you're in right standing with him because of Jesus, not because of you. And that's what's so cool is when you repent and you confess as a Christian, you can receive mercy and you can receive grace. I love it. It says mercy. Mercy helps forgive our sins. Grace not only helps forgive our sins, but it empowers us to overcome sin in our lives. So we can be strong in the Lord and in his power by knowing that we're in right standing with God, not based on our own ability, but in Jesus. As far as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, this is the next piece of armor that we're called to wear. It's the, the shoes that give peace. Your foundation is really important. Yesterday I was at a grad party and I was like in a vocal screaming match with, uh, with the grad. Um, we were arguing back and forth and you want to come to our youth group? We're great. We're awesome. Uh, but we were arguing because a little while ago, he and I got into a literal tug of war. Like we had a tug of war rope at our youth group and we got into a tug of war and long story short, it was really rigged, but he beat me. And, uh, and so he would tell you it's because he's stronger. Um, I would tell you it's because I was wearing really terrible shoes. And the moment we started pulling, I just started going like this. Like my shoes just started slipping across the floor like I was doing on the ice capades, you know? And like, um, some of you are like, I don't know what's going on with you and you have problems. And I'm like, you're probably right, but that's not the point. Um, the point is that your foundation is really crucial. If you don't have the right shoes, you will not win. I don't care how strong you are without the right foundation, it's not gonna be enough. And so what do we see? The gospel brings us peace. So what does this tell us about our enemy? Our enemy is going to try and attack your peace. What is peace? It means that nothing is missing, nothing is broken in your life. It's complete wholeness, complete health, healing. 
So where are the areas the enemy attacks our peace? Well, first he does it between us and God, right? And we just talked about that with righteousness, right? Standing with God. He will try and put you at odds with God. The next way is he'll try and remove the peace that you have relationally. And much of the tension and stress that we face in our life comes through relationships, is it not? It comes through lack of peace in our relationships. But the enemy will also assault your mind and he'll also assault your heart. He will assault the thoughts and he will also assault the inner being. And what I love about the gospel is the gospel gives us the remedy to all of it. So we just talked about how the gospel gives us the remedy between us having peace with God. But I love part of one of the most powerful parts of the gospel is that it doesn't just mend our relationship with God, it actually mends our relationship to other. And so Paul literally writes about it this way. He says that the gospel breaks down the walls of hostility that exist between men and women, the walls of hostility that exist between different classes, those who have and those who have not. It breaks down the wall of hostility between different ethnicity and race. Why? Because Jesus actually gives us the tools to, be, to walk in peace. We have the spirit of God. We have the power of forgiveness and to be forgiven. And so if you're not walking in peace, you have the tools. And maybe it's gonna take having a hard conversation where you humble yourself and forgive as Jesus taught or humble yourself and ask for forgiveness as Jesus taught. But when you have two people that can do that, that allow God's spirit to lead them in that, you're gonna see restoration. You're gonna see peace. We also see that the peace of God can transform our mind and our heart. In fact, in Philippians 4, it says that God can give you the type of peace that can actually guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. There's a peace that can actually block worry in your life. Not to say that worrying thoughts won't come, not to say that anxious thoughts won't come, but in Matthew 6, we know that Jesus talks about the type of person who lives without worry because they don't worry about tomorrow because they know worrying about tomorrow doesn't add a single hour to tomorrow. And I've come to learn, I don't wanna live it twice. So I'm not gonna live it now and then live it again in the future. If it happens, I'll live it then. But I know for me that I'm gonna trust that God is going to work for good in that situation. See, when you trust God as your provider, it gives you peace. When you know that he will provide what you need for any given moment, it can allow you to have peace in that moment. This is what we're called to. We're called to live in peace. The next piece of armor that we see is the shield of faith. It says in 16, all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. I've come to a, a conclusion about life. I haven't come to that many, but I've come to one. And that is life is a series of opportunities to trust God or trust anything else. And it might be a different face, a different name, a different circumstance, a different time, a different plot twist. It might be a different challenge or a different trial. But at the end of the day, if you were to peel back all the layers and get to the very center of what's at stake here, what's at stake is will you trust God in this or will you trust any other option? And as followers of Jesus, and really what this message is all about is to say, no, we are going to stand firm in trusting God. We are going to have faith in God. What is faith? Faith, according to Hebrews 11, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. There are things we cannot see with our physical eyes, but faith enables us to hold them as conviction in the very depths of our soul. How do we acquire faith? Well, scripture says this, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 
So when you begin to hear the word of God, you begin to hear God's perspective on your situation. And faith has to, there has to be a moment in your life where you say, I will have faith in what God says over what I see. I will have faith in who God is over how it feels. This is the choice that is in front of you today. You might even have all the right answers in your head and it's not about having the right answers. The answers are great. You need them. You need that truth to bind you. But the question is, will you stand firm in the faith that you have? Will you stand firm in your trust of God? Will you believe what God has to say over what everyone else says? This is the faith that we have. And what's so amazing is that Paul talks about it like a shield that literally stops flaming arrows in their track. There are so many battles you may not even have to fight if you have your faith up. So much pain you wouldn't even have to feel if you just had your faith up. The next verse says this, it says, and take the helmet of salvation. Our world generally breaks people down into two categories. There's optimists and pessimists. Now I won't have you raise your hand, but I would guess you would probably slot yourself in one of those spaces. The classic example is that glass half empty or the glass half full, right? And the truth is both could be right depending on how you're looking at it. And yet it always feels a little unsatisfactory, right? Like if you're a pessimist, you're like, ah, it's gotta be a little better than that, right? And when you're an optimist, you're like, ah, well, don't you wanna see reality? But what I love about the Christian faith, the walk with Jesus is that there's a different alternative to pessimism and optimism, and that's hope. See, what hope does is hope, it acknowledges reality, but then hope has itself anchored in a future outcome. So in other words, what I'm going through may be really terrible, but I trust or I hope that God will work it through in the end. And it's not wishful thinking, it's a hope that's anchored in Jesus. This is what I think would be so frustrating about the enemy trying to defeat Paul is because Paul said things like this. He said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So great. Your enemy wants to come and try and take me out in this life and try and you know shipwreck me and have me beaten and have me thrown in prison. Okay, great. I'm just gonna write some of these letters I've been meaning to write while I'm in prison. Oh, the enemy's gonna try and shipwreck me. Great. I'll just bring revival to the island of Malta. Okay, the enemy's gonna try and he doesn't like that, so he's gonna try and kill me. Great, I've been looking forward to being with Jesus. Could you please hurry it up a little bit? That would be so frustrating because there's nothing, there's nothing you can do to get to Paul. Why? Because Paul has an eternal mindset. You know, there's this saying that has been around for a long time that, oh, that guy's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. I'm convinced that the people who are the most good to this earth are those who have the most heavenly mindsets. People who focus most on eternity are those who have the biggest impact in the temporal. If you read the end of the story, if you read the end of the book, there's a good ending. In fact, we read in Revelation, the very end of the story that God will wipe away every tear. He will put an end to injustice and evil and death and sorrow and pain. The lion will lay with the lamb. The child can play with, with the wild animal. There will be no harm. God will be among his people. There's a good ending to this story. So no matter what you're going in through right now, 
I want you to know that God is going to finish it with a good ending. That God is working all things for the good. And this is the hope that we're called to. Here's the final piece of armor that Paul gives us. He says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. This is the one weapon that we see in the armor of God. And it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I find it interesting that Paul marries the word of God with prayer. He says, pray in the spirit at all times. And I think that's because when you abide in the word of God and allow it to abide in you, it begins to build a, an ammunition for the Holy Spirit to use in every situation in your life. It's a reservoir, a well that can be pulled from in any given moment. You know, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he was in the wilderness for 40 days and, and the Holy Spirit enabled him to overcome the temptation he was facing in all three situations. The devil tried to tempt Jesus three different times with three different things that he tries to tempt all of us with. That's a different topic for a different day. But one thing that's really interesting is Jesus doesn't respond the same way to all three temptations. In fact, he uses different scripture to combat the three different temptations that the enemy has for him. Why? Why? Because faith is not a formula. It's a relationship with a powerful God. In Mark chapter nine, we see this young boy who has epilepsy, but the actual cause of his epilepsy is a demonic oppression and possession. And so a demon literally will take this boy and shake him and drive him to the ground and throw him into the fire and it's destroying this family. So this dad in desperation brings his son to Jesus. And before he gets to Jesus, he gets to the disciples and the disciples cast, try and cast out this demon. And they've cast out many demons before, but they can't get him out. And so finally Jesus shows up and he, he speaks to the demon and he commands it to go, he rebukes it and it leaves. And the boy is, is actually made whole again. And afterwards, the disciples look at Jesus and they say, hey, what was going on there? We've cast out so many demons, but this one didn't come out. Why, why couldn't we cast this one out? And Jesus looks at them and says, this kind of demon only comes out through prayer. Some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. And what's so interesting about this is that in this story, we don't see Jesus pray at all. We don't see him pray. So he just told us that it comes out by prayer only, but he didn't even pray. How does that happen? What does it tell us about Jesus? That he won this battle before he ever fought it. He won it praying in the middle of the night. He won it when he rose early to pray. The father gave him exactly what he needed. Faith is not a formula. And I, I use this analogy that if you're in a battle and you only have submarines, it's gonna be great when you're in the water, but it probably won't go very well when the battle goes to the sky or to the land. And in so many of our cases, we only have one thing we fight with spiritually. And it's like, this is my verse. And this is what I use every time I pray. And I'm like, that's great, but it's like the submarine. It's not gonna help you when it's over here on land or by sky. We need to develop the type of reservoir that the Holy Spirit can use in any given moment. So how do we do that? We abide in the word of God. We abide in the word of God and we use our prayer life to win the battle that is unseen. Most of your battles will be won by prayer. And I'm not taking away from that practical application. God uses practical, but I've always discovered that the practical so, goes so much further when you've gotten your insight from God. When he gives you one practical step, it always goes way better than if you take 50 of your own. And I think that's what God is inviting you into today is to say, how can I partner with you? How can I learn from you? How can I 
hear your truth and allow it to envelop my life in such a way that I can start winning the battles. So guys, today, as we conclude this message, I just wanna finish with one final encouragement in kind of the same way Paul does. He says, look, when you've done all to stand, stand firm. That's what I wanna say to you today. Some of you, you've been beat up. You've been, you know, knocked out almost. Maybe like Paul, he got stoned and thrown out of the city and people thought he was dead. They left him for dead. And it says that Paul, by the power of the spirit, got up, shook himself off and went back in. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to get back up and go back in and start to fight and start to do this for your family. Do it for the, the things that God has called you to. Start to believe for those things. I, I think back to my, my grandfather. He's 91 years old now, but there's a, there's a moment that has marked our family history forever. My uncle and my, my dad, um, they were probably, I don't know, my dad was probably 17 years old and they were both high as a kite. They had been out partying the night before to the point where I think, they, they just, they woke up and they're like, right, we need a ride. So they called their dad and their dad picks them up and they're both as high as a kite. And my grandfather, I'll never forget from what my dad has told me. He said, he looked at him, at both of them. And he said, boys, there's gonna be a day where chariots and whips will not be able to keep you out of church. And they both laughed at him. Probably sounded funnier because they were high. And Years later, they're both pastors. And, and I, I share that, I share that because that tenacity of faith is something that I wanna have for my kids. I wanna have that for the situations I go through. I look at that as a spiritual inheritance. There's a type of tenacity of faith that says, no, 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 no. This is not a blue moment, this is a red moment. I'm gonna fight. And I'm not gonna fight with people. I'm gonna fight where the battle is really won. I'm gonna fight the good fight of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, I recognize that there are many different types of battles taking place in here. And there are many who feel discouraged. There are many who feel like they don't have the tools or the weaponry to win. But I thank you that you are helping them see today the truth that can set them free, that if they have you, they have all they need. I wanna speak even to those who maybe the fight that is going on right now is the fight and the battle for your soul. Jesus said it this way, he said, what good is it if you gain the world, but lose your soul? And maybe you've been fighting God. God's asked you to give up this one thing. He said, would you trust me in this one area of your life? And you've said, no, 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 God, you couldn't possibly want that from me. You couldn't possibly ask that from me. That would cost too much. And this is the battle that's going on between you and God. And God is saying, if you're willing to give me your life, I'll show you true life. What good is the world if you gain it, but you lose your soul. God is drawing you to himself today for this very purpose that he has a new fight for you to fight. Not a fight with God, but a fight alongside God. That he's got a destiny for you, a purpose for you. 
And it's so much greater than you can imagine, but it will take everything you have. Are you willing to surrender it all at the feet of Jesus? This is your fight of faith. But I believe you're not on your own because Jesus is here to help you. I believe he's lovingly and kindly inviting you into a relationship with him where you trust him. And he not only gives you eternal life, he gives you true life. And so if that's you, if you know, I need to come to Jesus today or maybe come back to Jesus today. I wanna lead us in a prayer. It's a confession of faith. And it's a prayer that offers up our faith to God in a way that God can work with. And, and the Bible makes it very clear that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So today, maybe you're ready to call on the Lord. If that's you, we're gonna pray a prayer together that everyone in the room is gonna pray, everyone online, everyone at TCI, everyone at Boardman, we're gonna pray together. So you're not gonna be singled out, but I want you to offer that prayer up to God in faith, knowing that everyone who calls on Him will be saved. So with faith in your heart, would you pray this with me? Church, help me pray so no one prays alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Right now, I turn to you. I repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God. You died for me. You rose to life again so I could be raised with you to eternal life. Jesus, you are King of all creation and Lord of my life. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.